This week's episode of the Cloudcast is brought to you by Intel Cloud for All, driving the creation of thousands of clouds. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from our massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Aaron, uh, good to have you back from uh, Barcelona. Good to have you back from DockerCon. How are you doing tonight, man? Good, good, good. Yeah, and I, I figured, you know, you better do the intro tonight because, you know, after however many shows I did, everyone's sick of listening to me now. I know. I think you, I think you cranked out about nine <laughs> shows here over the last couple of weeks. You, uh, you earned your Christmas bonus. Um, a lot of really good shows, a lot of good feedback we've gotten from people. But uh, we're going we're gonna to go off of Docker uh, tonight, so hopefully folks are... Uh, got got their fill of Docker stuff. Um, you know, a couple things real quick, just some house cleaning things for everybody. Uh, first off, this will probably be, you know, the last show. We always do a year-end wrap-up show, but this will probably be the last show uh, of the year. Um, so hopefully everybody's having a great holiday season. Hope you have a great holiday season. Thank you so much for uh, being great listeners, for telling a friend about the show. Um, you know, it continues to get bigger, uh, continues to have more listeners. So so thank you to everybody who, who listens and, and gives us a little bit of their time every week. Uh, the other thing, I uh, want to thank everybody who's, who's made a, a contribution, big or small, to the, uh, to the Krispy Kreme Fund for, uh, for the North Carolina Children's Hospital. I think we're up over $1,000 so far, and you know, we're still just in the beginning of December. So thank you to everybody. Uh, great, uh, great way to, to give some money to, to help kids um, who, who are having a hard time, uh, tax write-off. So thank you to everybody for that as well. So, well and Brian, are you, are you running? Uh, I am running. I am running. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm running a little <laughs> you're, bit. You're further along than me this year, then. <laughs> I am. I am running a little bit. I'm trying to trying to get off my lazy butt. But uh, yeah, so hopefully the weather stays good here in North Carolina. It's been nice lately. So, knock on wood. Um, but anyways, let, enough about us and uh, uh, enough thank yous. So let's let's get to our guests. So tonight, um, you know, we've we've talked about a lot of different stuff. We've talked about. Uh, platforms. We've talked about microservices and stuff, but sometimes we talk about them at a high level. Um, tonight, we've got a very cool guest and a very cool technology. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, Larry McQuarrie, who's product manager for Nats.io or the Nats uh, Cloud Native Infrastructure. Welcome to the show. Um, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Um, so first and foremost, let's let's talk a little bit about your background. So you formerly worked for AppSera. Uh, we've had uh, we've had Derek uh, Collison on the show before. Uh, Brian Flannery is a longtime friend of the show, longtime, uh, you know, uh, been around the show, given us feedback for a long time. Tell us a little about what you do, both at Absera, but also you know your background because you've got a ton of background around messaging from your days at Tibco and, and work you've done with Derek. So give us a little bit of background on on yourself as well as you know, kind of a, an introduction to Nats as a platform. Sure, happy to. Um, so yeah, I do have uh, something of a background in messaging. Um, here at AppSera, um, I've only been on board about six months maybe, um, but I am, as you've already mentioned, responsible for uh, product management for Nats, um, as well as, uh, you know, I've kind of got a business development role as well. We're a small company, everybody does a lot of things, as I'm sure you guys can appreciate. Um, Prior to that, you know, I, I was at Tipco. My background has been messaging for many years. Um, I was at Tipco about 15 years, and before that, did uh, some things that are, I think, relevant to what we'll talk about here a little bit: um, satellite command and control, and telemetry applications, um, and uh, just things that involve uh, command and control in general. So that's kind of how I got into messaging, and ultimately, uh, you know, it even comes into play today at Sarah. 
So at, um, I think the question was uh, was also sort of uh, what's Nats? Yeah. So, you know, Tipco has a number of well-known messaging products, and uh, we're not here to talk about that. But um, they sort of introduced the the concept of a message bus um, and, and certainly helped popularize, popularize that term. You know, as we enter the era, and you guys obviously focus on this, as we enter the era of platform of a service um, a few years back, um, we find that, you know, the traditional message bus is is left wanting uh, in some ways when it comes to trying to do things in the cloud. I'm sure that's true of many technologies, of course, but certainly at a fundamental level where you're trying to get applications to communicate with one another efficiently and effectively at scale, you know, you need you need a good mechanism to do that. And, um, you know, Derek has probably told this story on the show, so I won't... Uh, I won't uh, bother you with too many apocryphal t- tales, but, uh, you know, in, in the building of, of Cloud Foundry a few years back, you know, he found that he needed a, a stable, high performance um, and yet simple, uh, you know, sort of elegant messaging system to do what he needed to do. Um, he tried some other well-known messaging systems that I'm not going to uh, mention out of respect, but, uh, you know, he found that uh, other systems left him... Uh, in situations where uh, he didn't have a stable environment at scale, um, and that was problematic. So having done a lot of uh, work at TIPCO and, and innovated a lot there, he kind of applied some of the same knowledge to solving the problem of building a what we call a control plane um, for, uh, for cloud environments. And that's really where Nats came from. You know, originally implemented in Ruby, it's now, uh, it's now been uh, re-implemented in Go as of a couple of years back. And uh, we now have a full community around it, um, and we're you know really happy to uh, be involved in, in podcasts like yours, as well as to be asked to speak at various conferences. And uh, you know we've done a number of uh, user meetup groups, so we're we're enthusiastic. And as you mentioned, Brian has been uh, helping us build the community, build the awareness, and um, you know we're we're doing our best to uh, extend the reach and make Nats as applicable as possible to as many you know applications as we can. So, so Larry, help me out with something there. Uh, so, Nats is is part of Appsera's platform, if you will, but it's also a, an independent project. And so, help us a little bit with the the compare and contrast of how are they connected, how are they separate? Sure. So, um, as I mentioned, Nats is you know we think of it as a control plane, and that's really its function. So, um, on the one hand, it is embedded within the Appsera platform. So the again, I'm sure you've probably talked about the AppSera platform here before with Derek or perhaps others, but you know, the, effectively, it's a secure, policy-driven cloud application platform, and uh, um, it, the NAT's role within that is really behind the scenes, underneath the covers. You know, your your workloads, your applications, if you're a user of the AppSera platform, don't really directly interact interact with NATs. You're not using it directly as a as a messaging bus, as a NATs, or sorry, as an AppSera platform user, but Everything that you do and everything that your workloads do is really effectively coordinated and signaled um, using NATs. So when you think about that message bus metaphor that we're all um, that we use so often, um, that's really true in this case. You know, there are many moving parts um, in the AppSera platform, uh, many workloads. There's a lot of stuff to coordinate, and you need to signal a lot of different things simultaneously and efficiently to make things happen. So that's the role that that NATs plays as an embedded part of the platform. Separately from that, um, you know, again, we we slash Derek obviously as the visionary saw that 
this is something that you know what Nats does is something that that obviously is applicable to uh, to direct interaction and or integration with applications. And so spinning it off as an open source project just seemed like a natural thing because there are so many folks out there who um, you know need something simple and effective for messaging that doesn't require um, literally hundreds of lines of code to to get working and maybe hundreds of lines of config files. So Nats as a separate project is exactly the same thing that's embedded in the AppSera platform. In other words, AppSera platform just carries Nats as a dependency. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've open sourced uh, the project itself to the community. We've got about 14 different uh, API, client APIs, of which AppSera maintains five, and the other nine are, um, you know, maintained by the community. Let me let me ask sort of a real basic question because I know the the audience has has different amounts of background. Um, you know, for large applications, the big sort of what people call monolith applications, there's tons of of intercommunication that's going on between tiers of that application. They tend to be sort of sometimes called interprocess communication. Sometimes they are, uh, you know, a uh, you know messaging and so forth. What's what's new about today's microservices? I mean, obviously. There's there's lots of pieces now. It's the you know the, the basics of the microservices piece. But what's give us the you know what's the evolution of you know what used to be sort of interprocess communication and the things that went on in the big monolithic applications to what uh, goes on in the microservices applications and why it's so important to have a, a high performance um, you know messaging bus or, or you know uh, control plane. Great question. Um, you know, it's funny. I always say that, uh, well, actually, there is a saying in general. <laughs> I'm probably going to hack and, and misquote here. But, uh, you know, no matter how much things change, they remain the same. And I think that that's true in this space as well when we talk about messaging and, and the evolution of messaging uh, within a, an ever-changing sort of enterprise landscape um, and or web uh, landscape or Internet landscape. Um, you know, when you talk about monolith applications, obviously I'm uh, uh, a little, <laughs> you know, I'm pushing 50. So I definitely remember real monolith applications on mainframes and, uh, you know, the dawn of the client server era. So there are many parallels, I think, between what you saw 20 years ago in that, uh, in that kind of, well, 20 plus years ago. Good Lord, time flies. Um, with that kind of transition from an environment where you really just got some jobs talking uh, via some batch-based queue system to other jobs that may not even be running at the same time on mainframes, uh, you know, jobs that are running overnight, you move from that to, well, we're going to have applications that are long-lived that run on a server and have clients connect directly to that application over some local network to, you know, more recently and let's say for the last decade plus, 10, 15 years, you know, kind of a SOA integration environment where that distributes even further over the Internet. Um, you get web application servers and other things involved um, to rest, to whatever. Uh, along the way, you know, there have been uh, various evolutions of the underlying technology, and I guess that's where you know message-oriented middleware comes in. Um, one of the earliest versions of that was RPC, um, and that evolved into the concept of well, if I can do RPC, that's great. You know, I can do a one-to-one -one communication or request reply. But what I really need is to put out data to many different applications simultaneously without having to carry the overhead of doing that over and over again. So that problem really has effectively never changed. You know, as we as we go from that monolith to client server to web tier applications, and so uh, um, we then come sort of back around to REST, which is a form of RPC, 
And microservices is just taking all of those what once we would have thought of as you know client server applications, and we're making um, you know super client server applications where anything can be a service and anything be, can be a client, and there can be you know many thousands of these applications living in an environment. So. Um, basically, you need a way for those to communicate. And, um, you know, many folks are using, trying to use conventional methods like RPC over HTTP, REST, et cetera. And, um, you know, NATS is kind of our solution to the problem by, by harnessing technology that's already proven, which is uh, publish, subscribe, one-to-many, one-to-one, um, you know, message bus type technology. Okay. And, you know, if we think about it, like, I always try and put certain. Everyone always goes, "Well, give me an example of an application that does those things and so forth." I mean, is it like is a is a simple example of that? Um, would that be that everybody kind of knows? Like, if somebody does a Twitter update and they've got you know several thousand followers, is it sort of dumping things on a message bus? You could have lots of clients that are listening for any sort of status update from uh, from from some publisher, if you will. And then they can go off and do whatever work they might do. They might be logging things. They might be collecting stats. They might be publishing it to some set of applications. Is that a is that a simple way to think about this? It's you know it's sort of a, a broadcast medium onto lots of listeners that can then do whatever work they they're programmed to do. That's that's exactly right. And I mean, we often um, uh, talk about it in terms of sort of a radio. Yeah, broadcast is the right way to look at it. You know, kind of a radio. Um, broadcast or radio signal. It's something that you don't have to uh, to worry about, you know, knowing who's out there. For instance, uh, I'm sure that you guys care very much about your subscribership, but you have, you know, a good certainty that when you put some information out there, when you put a show out, um, a lot of people are going to gonna download that. You're not sure who, but uh, it's there for them to use. And, and publish subscribe messaging is is kind of exactly like that. It's exactly as you've described. It's a, a virtual circuit that many people can connect to. We, we typically think about it like dial tone uh, or even the power in your house. You know, it's something you can plug into and use um, or not, but it's always going to be there when you, uh, when you pick up the handset. Well, handsets, that's such an old, uh, old term, but I, I, hopefully everybody uh, that's listening gets the idea. You know, you pick up your phone, or you plug something into the power outlet and stuff just works. And that's really kind of, uh, again, the concept here. Another analogy quickly is, um, you know, a lot of folks at least understand, hopefully, financial trading applications. You know, one of the most common uses and, and you know, for the folks uh, back in my TIPCO history, you know, that uh, sort of initially conceptualized this. Um, stock trading is a great ap- uh, application, you know, to, to describe this. You've got stock quotes or, or price updates that are happening for stocks and they're constantly changing, you know, the bid and the ask, uh, you know, the price that the stock's selling for or that, uh, or that people are willing to bid to, uh, to buy it are constantly changing and you need to constantly pump that information out to whoever needs it. And, uh, you know, that's another very typical application, um, for anybody that's done any kind of either online or, or closed system trading. Other uh, examples, but again, I think your, your Twitter feed sort of example kind of hits the nail on the head. Yeah. And so it really seems like this is a perfect setup into uh, mobile and, and Internet of Things kind of technologies, without a doubt, because it, it seems like, uh, especially with a PubSub kind of uh, philosophy, I mean, it, the amount of data and the amount of devices is, is certainly not going away and not getting any less anytime soon. Um, so I guess my question to you is, is, is 
So the the back end of them, if you could go into a little bit of like like maybe a, an IoT kind of analogy, right? Is it is is Twitter a, a good enough analogy, or is there something more specific when it comes to really doing these things at scale? Um, I think Twitter is a good enough analogy. Um, I, it's I'm not as familiar personally with the back end of Twitter, but I can certainly talk in in general terms about you know back ends. I mean that's that's really. I think the back end is probably the more important thing to, to, to think about. Um, when folks uh, talk about IoT, there's a lot of interest in talking about, you know, sort of the, the footprint on a device and, and, you know, using things like MQTT and how does that protocol work, et cetera. Um, the back end really is a, a huge concern because although you can define a, a simple protocol, a lightweight protocol for communicating between devices in the back end, the ability of that back end to scale kind of seamlessly and simply to handle um, demand spikes in particular, you know, that's one of the biggest areas of, of concern for for this type of technology is not just being able to handle, um, you know, millions of users potentially, but being able to handle the spike that may happen when some large news event occurs, for instance, and a bunch of handheld devices suddenly uh, hit a website or hit their trading application or hit their, you know, whatever it is you know, ESPN sports applications to see a replay of a, a sporting event. The ability of the back end to handle um, that kind of, you know, dynamic load increases and decreases, its ability to handle just significant steady load in general is is really significant. And that's, again, where, where something like Nats comes in. You know, it's been engineered specifically to be able to handle uh, high capacities of clients and, and data um, you know, seamlessly uh, to be able to do that sort of thing. Um, it's not, you know, I'll tell you firsthand, it's really not a trivial problem to solve. Um, there are lots of messaging solutions that exist, and uh, none of them is really ideal, I think, in the cloud environment specifically for solving those problems. So that's that's one of the big problems we, uh, we are trying to solve with NATS. Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, the types of applications that might work for this, and, you know, we use the, the sort of broadcast analogy, does there, is there anything, obviously, you know, you've got to have a, a way to communicate into the message bus, but is there any concept that if I have an application that it has to know about the other things that will come onto that message bus ahead of time? Is it, um, you know, how, I, I guess the question becomes, how do I, you know, do I have to care about who else is listening or who's publishing? Um, and then, you know, if I don't, how do you sort of protect that the system doesn't get overwhelmed or, or something like that? Well, there's a couple different um, aspects to that. First of all, no, you definitely um, – one of the principles that I guess we <laughs> – to, to use this term in a double way, uh, you know, that we subscribe to, one of the ideas that we subscribe to is that you don't really um, – you know, in published subscribe messaging, uh, location transparency and, and decoupling of senders and receivers is very, very important. So, no – there is no and should be no assumptions really um, on the part of uh, particularly a sender or publisher about who's out there and listening. You know, you uh, everything is addressed using subjects and um, you send data to a subject and, or publish it to a subject. And Nats, the, you know, the, the broker, uh, if you will, the, the system in the middle will uh, ensure that messages get where they're supposed to go. So we certainly encourage uh, anybody that, that designs an application around Nats or really around any messaging system to not make those assumptions. On the receiver or subscriber side, the story is a little bit different. Obviously, you need to know what you're, what you're looking for or how to you know, sort of connect, first of all, as well as uh, how to get the data that you're particularly interested in. 
And so there are various mechanisms, obviously, for uh, for advertising that kind of information, various service discovery um, uh, tricks that you can use to to do that. And that's that's really what users are doing. You know, um, Heroku, other other uh, tools that are out there um, let you do that. So it, it's really quite simple. You know, there's not a bunch of metadata you need to know about in Nats. You just know a subject name. Uh, that you want to subscribe to, and um, you know you subscribe, and d- data begins flowing. So, pretty straightforward stuff overall. Okay. And and sometimes we hear from you know as, as sometimes we try and break down the the, the cloud platforms, the PaaS platforms. You know, NATS is something that can be separated out, but it can be part of it. Is NATS also doing what people call service discovery? Um, obviously, people can listen on to stuff. Do they use that for learning about new services, or is that typically you know, a different function, um, and then, you know, you, you figure out what's out there, and then you, you attach yourself to the message bus. Um, I would say that it's one, you know, service discovery is something that NATS could be used for. Um, certainly, it would uh, um, be something you could use as part of a service discovery framework, um, and it would be a very efficient, you know, mechanism for communicating uh, service discovery type stuff, or for doing, uh, you know, sending out a, a request and getting back, you know, a list of all the different data providers that uh, might be uh, out there on your on your NATS network or connected to NATS, but you know, really, we don't see that as a primary focus of NATS. Um, it's just one of many, many, many different uh, application um, applications that could be targeted, um, you know, for for use um, by NATS. Um, in terms of cloud application platform, you know, I think one of the questions, and you may have hinted at it earlier when we were talking about uh, the differences between NATS and, and the cloud platform, um, we, we do look at those things as being, um, you know, kind of uh, synergistic. Um, we're not only embedded in our NATS platform, but, um, you know, right now, even at, at uh, AppSera, we're looking at how can we leverage NATS as a messaging framework uh, for users on top of our uh, our platform as well, and I think that's where you know some interesting applications like service discovery, like you know command and control, uh, other things um, you know become very interesting. We've even got some users, uh, you know, I, I contrasted versus RPC a minute ago. We've even got some users that are using NATS as a as a transport for uh, for gRPC as an example. So there's there's really a lot of different ways that NATS can be threaded into and out of um, various other um, you know application types, including service discovery and other things. Yeah, and, and Aaron and I have sort of debated this a little bit. We we get a chance to talk to a lot of different people. He was obviously a DockerCon. We've been we've been trying to kind of get a feel for the industry as to you know are are more companies and, and developers kind of building their own platforms sort of in a I, I call it unstructured. People call it a pluggable way, right? So, you know, Nats is a part of what they do, but maybe it's not you know, part of AppSera. Or are more people kind of saying, hey, I, like you said, I like the synergistic piece of it. I like it sort of structured together. What, what do you see in the market? I mean, you guys, you might be a little bit sort of biased because you're, you're part of both of them. But what do you see people kind of use as a decision criteria as to, you know, when to use more of a platform that's that's more inclusive of, of the technologies and, and when do you see them, you know, using elements of it um, kind of kind of independently or pluggable? Um, I think a lot of it, well, th- there's various things. You know, I worked at an enterprise software company for a long time and I know the decisions um, like this are, are not always trivial. Um, there's political, organizational and other things that go into it, but um, I think more than anything, you know, risk is a factor um, that uh, that companies look at. You know, when we look at the uh, commercial user space, 
Um, and there, you know, there's less risk, I think, a lot of times in using a platform. So you're, you're right. I do have a vested interest in, uh, in advocating my, my own company. But uh, I think in general, um, folks want to do things that are easy. You know, they want to follow the path of least resistance. Sure. And sure. to the extent that you've got a, a platform that, that also includes some nice other features that are easy to use, you know, you kind of want to use that. That said, I mean, there's really a broad range of users out there. I, I often uh, lament the fact that a lot of existing open source uh, messaging uh, is built by engineers for engineers, meaning that it's uh, complex. And, you know, I've been an engineer for a long time myself. I, there, there's a tendency to look for really cool solutions that do really cool things, but often they're, they're rather complicated in the way that they get there. And it's easy to fall in love with that technology and with the, the, the details um, but you know, often the, the folks that are paying your paycheck, um, are less thrilled with the amount of time you spend learning to use them. And so that just kind of circles back to the whole risk thing. You know, um, I think that smart, uh, engineering departments, uh, smart business stakeholders want to do the things that, uh, that really make things easy to get projects into production, uh, particularly in the, in the era of, uh, continuous integration, you know, you just want to get things running and, and in- incrementing slash, uh, evolving very quickly, so that you can uh, achieve some kind of you know uh, financial benefit off of that. So, yeah, I mean, again, I think that uh, larger organizations are going to tend towards those those models of what's going to make this uh, easiest and most cost effective. I think that smaller organizations are really all over the place. We we talk to a lot of folks who are enthusiastic members of our community that would like to build a lot of things themselves. And so, on the one end, AppSera's platform you know helps. Businesses. On the other end, I think Nats is has a broader appeal from you know uh, to both sides of that uh, to, of that spectrum, really. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that aligns to what we hear quite a bit. Um, you know, we, we hear the smaller organizations, the startups, the kind of independent groups and businesses tend to, like you said, they want to build some things themselves. Maybe they they think their their situation's unique, and then some of the larger organizations or the you know kind of the broader use cases tend to be you know say hey look let's let's take it you know take advantage of of letting other engineering having built it for us and and we'll you know we'll just build on top of that and like you said get going fast get your projects out there iterate and yeah so forth um so let me let me ask one last question we'll kind of wrap it up here um you know talking about somebody deploying nats i mean nats obviously um you know huge scalability capabilities uh, high performance. What's the what's the typical type of deployment environment? Is it does it tend to to work better in sort of private you know private data centers, private clouds because of the performance elements of it, or or how well does it work in in private environments where you're you know you're sharing resources or you might be dealing with uh, you know bandwidth delays and you know geographic dispersity and things like that. Well, good question. Um, you know, again, Napster is a, uh, a cloud platform company, and uh, one of the um, you know one of the things that we sort of uh, stake our reputation on is uh, uh, and or our marketing on, quite frankly, is that um, you know we're kind of a multi-cloud um, sort of platform, and I think that extends as well to Nats. It has to, of course, because Nats is such a fundamental component of the system. And so the answer to your question is, um, you know, we think it performs equally well in private environments as well as in, you know, private or public clouds. Um, It really is designed to be that way because, again, limitations that we have experienced in systems that we've built before. We've got quite a few very experienced people here um, at AppSera in terms of messaging, starting with Derek and, uh, you know, others as well, including myself. 
you know, we've learned a lot of lessons along the way. There are a number of things you, you can and can't do um, when your aim is to be broadly applicable in, in multiple environments. So simplicity and ease of use are key. Um, I think that, um, you know, we're, e we're equally applicable in all those environments. I think there are, um, as with any messaging system and any, um, any deployment uh, infrastructure, there are some sensitivities you need to have in terms of how you deploy the system. And there are going to be some differences, really, in how you um, organize your clusters uh, of message brokers or, or NATS demons in our case. Um, to achieve, you know, scale and throughput that uh, that meets your organization's objectives, um, but still respecting the amount of uh, horsepower and the distribution uh, that you've got, you know, between private, uh, public clouds or, or just private on-premise uh, infrastructure. So it's it's not uh, on the one hand, it's not exactly rocket science, but on the other hand, it is because you need to understand what those performance profiles look like, et cetera. But um, you know, that being said, there, there's a good answer for each of those environments. Um, it's just going to be a little bit different. And, uh, you know, NATS or uh, any messaging system like NATS, hopefully, will provide easy ways to, uh, to help you do that. Excellent. Excellent. Makes Excellent. Sense. Um, Aaron, I've, I've been sort of hogging the conversation. Anything you want to you want to jump in and, and uh, kind of final last thoughts? No, I, I think we're good. Uh, it was certainly very educational because for me, this has been the, the biggest thing is as we kind of move to, towards this, you know, cloud native architectures, if you will. Yeah. Anytime you're breaking things down into smaller components, how do you scale up the communications in, in between those components? That's always been a key. And that's been kind of a, uh, really a big learning area for me going forward. So it's been very informative. Thank you, Larry. Um, so, Larry, let, let me ask you this as we kind of close this out. Where can everyone kind of find out more about you, about AppSera, about Nats.io, and, and kind of everything going on uh, in the ecosystem? Um, so first of all, I'm at McQuarrie uh, on Twitter. That's M-C-Q-U-E-A-R-Y. Um, but more importantly, uh, anything and everything you want to know about Nats, you can find at Nats.io. Um, it's an open source website, uh, literally, and its subject matter is also open source. But uh, by all means, all of you that are listening, get on there and uh, submit those PRs with uh, all the little mistakes that I probably made in, in various places. Um, you can also uh, check us out at AppSera.com if you're interested in the AppSera platform, obviously. Um, and that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Very cool. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Larry, for your time tonight. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 